Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, I've got to give you credit. I Why? do have to give you Why? credit. Why would you give me credit? Explain yourself. Well, it looks like you kind of called the special election, Pennsylvania 18, kind of regardless of what the certified result's going to be. You told us on, here on Powerhouse Politics uh, that, uh, that that Lamb the Sham was going to win. Yeah. And you told uh, folks in the newsroom that, that uh, Rick Saccone was going to win. Or vice versa. So, I don't, uh, I don't I mean, remember, but I was right. That's what I remember. I mean, it's almost a tie. It was, actually, I was on both sides of the issue, and it was a tie election, essentially. I mean, so I, I feel like I'm extra right for that. I've, I've got to give you credit, but, but, but it does look like Connor Lamb, uh, barring some kind of a, of a miracle here, is going to win. You were just yeah. in the district. You just got back uh, yeah, this morning. Um, is, there, is there any way this changes as the... You know, with, through a recount, is there going to be a recount? What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, there's still legal challenges that, that could be filed. There could be a recount. There's irregularities, as there are in every election. But I it, I almost think it doesn't matter at this point. I mean, even if Rick Saccone pulls out some kind of a legal miracle and is seated as a member of Congress, uh, it, the message has been sent. Uh, the, the, the Republicans lost this war, uh, and it was a war, even if they win the battle, and they're unlikely to win the battle. Connor Lamb is very likely to be seated as a, as a member of Congress. Uh, essentially a tied race, but you think about what it took for Republicans to get it to be a tied race. President Trump wins this district by almost 20 points. Outside groups had to dump $10 million into this race, led by Speaker Paul Ryan's super PAC. President Trump came to the district not once but twice. Vice President Pence came to the district as well. So he was armed, Rick Sacone was armed with the whole Republican cavalry, it took all of that to fight to a virtual tie. That's an extraordinarily bad sign for Republicans, and it is sending warning signals all around the country right now that, that it's possible that Democrats are putting a whole lot more seats into play. There are literally 100 districts held by Republicans right now that should be closer than Pennsylvania 18 had any right to be uh, last night. And that is a real problem for Republicans. So they will dump on their candidate. They'll talk about how Rick Saccone was terrible and how Connor Lamb was special, and you can't do what Connor Lamb did. The fact is, this is deep red uh, Trump territory that turned blue. Well, you had a, you had a, you did have a, I mean, you had a flawed Republican candidate, but this wasn't Roy Moore. I mean, right. he, he was a, he was maybe not the most exciting guy, but right. but uh, but a distinguished guy, a, a military intelligence officer, worked in North Korea, wrote nine books. Not a not a bad member, and chosen by the party leadership. He wasn't one of these Correct. guys who came in, you know, uh, and and but you also had a very good Democratic candidate and Connor Lamb. In fact, you remember when Trump went to the district on Saturday, he actually, he, he, well, let, let's listen to what he had to say about Connor Lamb. Look, I don't know him. Looks like a nice guy. I hear he's nice looking. I think I'm better looking than him. I do. I do. I do. And he's slightly younger than me. Slightly. No, I heard that. Then I saw him. He's okay. He's all right. Personally, I like Rick Saccone. I think he's handsome. <laughs> well, I, I think we have to fact check that last one. I don't think he thinks Rick Saccone <laughs> is uh, uh, handsome. But but you said Connor Lamb is younger than his kids, by the way. But that's but, the, but but you said that there are a hundred districts that should be closer than this one. Yeah, for Democrats to target. What's your sense? Uh, in in how many of those districts they've actually recruited? Democrats have recruited a candidate as strong and as well-suited to the district as Connor Lamb? It's hard to say as well-suited, but I think you're talking about two dozen easily 
uh, top-notch Democratic recruits in districts like this. You, you, the map was always going to start in the about two dozen districts that Hillary Clinton actually carried, but that had a Republican member of Congress. Uh, then you start to expand into areas that had a history of voting Democratic, but went for Trump for whatever reason. This is the next tier out from there. This is a place that uh, Democrats have not been competitive for almost two decades. Uh, they haven't even run candidates in House races for the last couple of cycles. And as we said, President Trump absolutely romped there. This district was drawn for a Republican. It's getting blown up, as you know, for an, an, another well, issue. That's the amazing is this yeah. district disappears. That's right. You're renting the seat regardless. But I, I mean, in, the, in November, you run in a right. different district. Rick Saccone may run in a different district, and, and Connell Lamb will have to run in, in a different district. So regardless... Right, neither of them will live in the new district. <laughs> right? I mean, in, in, in the current 18th district. That's yeah. right. One of the weird quirks in all of this is that it was... It, it really... That's why this was a fascinating race, John. And it, it played out as... In almost perfect test case for Democratic messaging in a red part of the country, a district that was drawn specifically for Republicans, that President Trump romped in. The Democrats were nowhere to be seen, had no real party infrastructure for a long time, but they have a a historical registration edge that stems from the old Reagan Democrats and the the union registration and the union organizing was very big there. Uh, And you had a man in, in Connor Lamb who looks the part, 33 years old, uh, a, a, a veteran, uh, a prosecutor, uh, part of a political family in the Pittsburgh area. And he was able to capture uh, a, a lot of kind of nascent, latent energy in the Democratic side, in addition to turning out some voters who voted for Trump last time, and then the Republican candidate dealing with some depressed turnout on his own. All three things had to happen. You had to turn out the Democrats, you had to flip some Trump voters over to the Democratic side, and you had to keep Republicans at home. If you look at the way that Connor Lamb fought this to a, to a, a virtual tie, he did all of those things. And Democrats are obviously ecstatic about what happened. Uh, the The National Party, this is a big victory, a sign... Uh, they believe that there is a blue wave coming in November. But one thing that struck me about Connor Lamb is that in running, he was saying that he did not support Nancy Pelosi as the Democratic leader in the House uh, and said it was time for a leadership change. I was wondering what would happen now that he has apparently won. Well, he went on uh, Morning Joe this morning and was asked, and he seems to be standing by his position, that Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic leadership has to go. Here's what he said. Well, it's nothing personal. I just think that the leadership of both parties have presided over a time when we've had more and more gridlock and fewer and fewer important things getting done. And I always learn that uh, responsibility starts at the top. So I think we need to sweep some new people in there. So if you're Nancy Pelosi, how loudly do you, I mean, obviously you're ecstatic about what happened, but how loudly can you applaud the election of, of somebody that says that you have to go as the party leader? Oh, it's a terrific point. And, you know, I, I, I talked to a couple of uh, Democratic elected officials in, at Connor Lamb's headquarters uh, last night who were making that exact point and saying, you know, th- this is generational, that, uh, that, that it, it's not Nancy Pelosi's fault. Uh, but a lot of people were talking about, about, about Tim Ryan, the, the younger congressman from Ohio who represents a, a more blue-collar working-class district and, and, and represents kind of a different tradition, a different strain. He's challenged Nancy Pelosi in the past. But yes, this question of how many other Democrats can really do this is one question. How many of them can run so far to the center or even the right that they oppose Pelosi? And what it means for Pelosi and the, and the current Democratic crop's uh, potential leadership if she is used as the boogeyman in all of these ads and you have a crop of members of Congress who come uh, elected saying, I'm not going to support you. 
And how is this? You know, of course, we, we, we pay such attention to these these pivotal races, and you know, somebody whoever wins comes in as a as a as a as a freshman and isn't necessarily the most influential and large voice on that. It takes a long time, you know, to kind of kind of build yourself up in the house. Um, but Connor Lamb ran for the most part as a as a moderate. Yeah. Um, actually, said even this morning was saying some good things about Donald Trump's uh, policies on, you know, his proposals on infrastructure and the like. He supports um, the tariffs that, yep. that, that just came out. He says he doesn't want any new gun controls. But uh, w- when Trump was out there on Saturday, he actually, uh, you know, had some other things to say about Connor Lamb, and even came up with a with a pretty pretty memorable uh, nickname, um, and and addressed this issue about whether or not Connor Lamb would actually. Be a moderate if you want. This is what Trump said on Saturday. Connor Lamb, Lamb the Sham, right? Lamb the Sham. He's trying to act like a Republican, so he gets, he won't give me one vote. <laughs> won't give him one vote. Well, you know, we'll see. Yeah, John, we'll see how this plays out. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to Ed Rendell, the former governor of Pennsylvania, mayor of Philadelphia, a guy who knows a lot about national and Pennsylvania politics. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. You can post a job in minutes and manage your candidates from an easy-to-use dashboard. Post your next job on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. And welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined right now by, I, I would argue, Rick, probably the single best person to talk to about Pennsylvania politics, period, and certainly about Democratic politics, uh, the former mayor of Philadelphia, the former governor of the state of Pennsylvania, uh, somebody who, um, you know, knows this place, knows it well, former chairman of the Democratic Party, Mr. Ed Rendell. Thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. Good morning, guys. So with that with that uh, buildup, let me ask you, um, obviously a big win, uh, even as we were saying, even if... Uh, a, a, a recount or, or absentee ballot suddenly uh, 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 changes the uh, the outcome that we see right now, which is a very, very, very narrow victory for Connor Lamb. It's already a big win or a big defeat for a uh, big win for Democrats, big week, big defeat for Republicans, isn't it? Well, sure, but it's consistent with what's been going on all year. This is the 19th special election that's been held this year, and uh, that's with state specials and, and federal specials. And in all 19, all but one, uh, Democrats improved their percentage of the vote dramatically over what uh, President Trump got in those districts in 2016. And the one where we didn't improve, because Hillary Clinton did a little bit better than the Democratic candidate, we did flip a... Uh, uh, congressional seat in uh, Connecticut that have been held by Republicans for 40 years. So this is just consistent with that. What makes this so impressive is this was probably the most Trumpian district that we actually won a a seat in. Remember, the president not only carried it by 20, but he still has a 51, according to the Monmouth poll, which was a pretty good solid poll, he still has a 51% favorable rating in the district. So what is your read? There's been some debate about what the impact of the Trump visit on Saturday was. He had a big rally. There was a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, he spoke mostly about himself, obviously, and not, not all that much about Rick Saccone. Did that rally make any difference at all? Did it make the race closer? Uh, yeah, I did, think it did. Did it hurt Saccone? Did it help him? 
I think what it did was it convinced some in his base who weren't particularly thrilled with uh, Senator Saccone to get out and vote. They probably were thinking they would take a pass on the election, and when the president came up and spoke and uh, said it was important to him, I think it probably increased turnout, you know, a percentage or, or two or three points, and that could have been the difference, as close as it was. On the other hand, it might have cost Saccone some votes of undecided voters because the president was so demeaning to Saccone. I mean, he made Saccone look like a little you know, schoolboy in short pants who was being disciplined for not having done a good enough job. Uh, and the president has a tendency to do that all the time. He demeans the other candidates by comparing them to himself. And, you know, I carried the district by 22 points. I mean, he didn't carry the district by 22 points. You know, you've got all those red hats out there. This should be easy. Why you know, doesn't, so by I think the way... If you're an undecided voter, you might say to yourself, I'm not voting for Saccone. You know, he, the president thinks he's an idiot. By the way, just a question to Rick. Uh, <laughs> why does the president have to exaggerate even when it... I mean, he won the district by 19-plus and he rounded up 20 yeah, points. Yeah. Why does he have to say 22 points? I, I think uh, in his head it's probably 22 points. <laughs> he thinks all those all those illegal immigrants, maybe? I mean, this is the, the fuzzy math that he's played on this. Hey, Governor, though, you listened to how Connor Lamb ran this campaign and how the president even portrayed it. I think he was right in portraying some of his positions as maybe closer to the Republicans. Uh, he says he doesn't want new gun controls. He says he supports the president's new tariffs. Well, I know. Let's, let's backtrack on gun control. Please. I, I would say the president, I heard before you brought me on. I heard you guys discuss the president calling him Lamb the Sham and saying he wouldn't give him one vote. Well, uh, Connor Lamb is against banning of assault rifles. I'm for it, and most progressives are for it. But Connor, he comes from a gun culture, and he's against it. On the other hand, he would vote for universal background checks, which the president initially said after the Parkland shooting that he was going to be for. And in fact, the president even intimated that he might be for the banning of assault rifles. So, so, uh, so you know, so I would suggest to you that Connor campaign like a conservative Democrat, like a Joe Manchin or a Joe Donnelly or a Heidi Heitkamp. And he did so in, for the main reason that that's the culture he came from. You know, he's a legitimate Western Pennsylvanian. He didn't move into the district to run for office. He grew up in the district, and he knows that culture, and he's part of that culture. And we Democrats, and I tell my progressive friends all the time, if we want to succeed in taking back the Congress, we have to understand that there's got to be more than just outright full-fledged 100 percent progressives in the democratic party we've got to have moderate democrats we've got to even have room for some conservative democrats because if you take joe manchin out of the democratic party in west virginia tell me who is going to run for senate who has a chance to win to hold that senate seat nobody does and joe manchin will cast one vote that's important to progressives for sure that would be the vote to make Chuck Schumer leader, meaning we can bring our legislation to the floor. So interesting you bring that up, because the first vote that uh, that Connor Lamb would take in the new Congress would be around who the House Speaker would be uh, if the Democrats take back the House. And he has said publicly he does not want that person to be Nancy Pelosi. Does, uh, does that mean... 
Does that mean he has that- the right to do that? And and he could support someone else. He could support Tim Ryan. He could support someone else. But when the final vote is cast, and it's and say it's still Nancy Pelosi, it's Nancy Pelosi versus Paul Ryan. I guarantee you, Connor Lamb will vote for Nancy Pelosi because he understands if we're going to get legislation to really help working people in this country, if we're going to get a real infrastructure plan that will put people back to work, that will make us economically competitive, we have to control the agenda, meaning we have to be in power to say what bills actually get to the floor, what amendments are added, etc., I'll grant you that point, but I think in the more immediate term, if if you need to win in red parts of the country, if you need conservative Democrats to win, does it help Democrats if Nancy Pelosi is not the face of the Democratic Party? Is that one of the lessons of this 18th congressional district election? You know, that depends on the district. In Connor Lamb's district, Nancy Pelosi as the face of the Democratic Party is probably a downer. Uh, you notice Connor only brought one national Democrat into campaign for him, and that's Mr. Working Guy, Joe Biden, who everybody loves. Uh, he didn't bring any of the other big names of the party in. He didn't even bring Bill Clinton in. Uh, who's, I think Bill Clinton's still enormously popular in western Pennsylvania, but he didn't even do that. So um, I think Connor was keenly attuned to that. But if you have a race like... Uh, Ryan Costello's race. He's an incumbent Republican who represents almost all of Chester County. In Chester County, Nancy Pelosi isn't a bad name. So, so it depends on the district. So it absolutely depends on the district. So I, I want to. We have I, to understand that we're going to have progressives, and we're going to have moderates, and we're going to have some conservative Democrats, and we're going to have pro-life Democrats. Bob Casey was, it was and still is a pro-life Democrat, but he's a good pro-life Democrat in the sense that he understands that you can't fund Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood's work actually decreases the number of abortions that are held in America. So we've got to have room in our party for everyone who believes in the core values of the Democratic Party, which is that ordinary middle-class working people and vulnerable people get taken care of first because this is what America's always been about. I want to ask you about something Saccone said in the, uh, the, 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 as he was closing out his campaign. Take a listen. They have a hatred for our president. I tell you, many of them have a hatred for our country. And I'll tell you some more. My wife and I saw it again today. They have a hatred for God. It's, it's amazing. You see it when I'm talking to them. It's, it's disturbing to me. That was the way Rick Saccone described the supporters of Connor Lamb, his opponents. <laughs> What did he base the hatred for God on? It's something that's always the, wonderful, the fact that we believe the Constitution says that you have to have a separation of church and state. That's in the Constitution. You hate the Constitution if you don't believe that. Well, you what, hate the core founding value of America. But but what what where where are we? I mean, you 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 have you've been. You know, you, you, you've been involved in politics for a long time. You are a, uh, you know, strong partisan Democrat, but you've been somebody who's been able to work with Republicans. I also heard, and I don't have the sound, but I'm sure you saw it, Hillary Clinton, sp- paid speech, uh, uh, talked about how she won the optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward parts of the country. Um, that, that, that she won the productive, the economically productive parts of the country. And then describing uh, the, the, the Trump campaign and who they were appealing to, she said, uh, quote, 
And his whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backward. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want, you know, you see the Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm going to solve it. I mean, what, what, what is she talking about there? Well, you know, there's some truth to it. I mean, take a look at the Pennsylvania results in in the election of 16. Hillary Clinton lost by 43,000 votes. Katie McGinty, our candidate for Senate, who was a great uh, secretary, she was my secretary of Department of Environmental Regulations, and she was a great secretary. Everyone agrees with that. She lost by 73,000 votes. There were three other statewide elections in 16 for Auditor General, Attorney General, and Treasurer, most of which the public knows nothing about any of the candidates. The three Democrats won by 250,000, 300,000, and 400,000. And what sex do you think the three Democrats were who won? What's that? Male. <laughs> well, but, but, but tell me, where are we? So ex- explain that to me. Okay, but explain where we are as a country. If you have on one side uh, a candidate supported nationally saying that his opponents, the Democrats, hate America and hate God, and on the other side you have a national figure in the Democratic Party, uh, statement you said you largely thought had a, had a, had a point, uh, saying that the other side are people that resent the fact uh, that, uh, that, that African Americans are succeeding, res- re- resent the fact that Indian Americans are doing well, uh, that are basically fueled by, by racism and sexism. Where are we as a country? I mean, is that really? Because well, uh, I look out, and I, not having covered a lot of these races, my sense is there are very good people on both sides. I don't mean to sound like Donald Trump <laughs> after, after Charlottesville. I'm not talking about a neo-Nazi rally. I'm talking about elections in our country with, with you know, people for no, no, their own you're reasons support one right. side or the other. People in politics shouldn't try to characterize anybody's supporters uh, unless they are something like neo-Nazis. Uh, you know, short of that, we shouldn't be characterizing uh, other people's supporters because, you know, there are good people who are just wrong about the issues. There are good people who've been fed a consistent amount of uh, information that's not true. Uh, when I was governor, I was on Sean Hannity's show. I, he, I was a Democrat that he sort of liked, so I would go on a show. And I remember we had a discussion about Ronald Reagan, and I pointed out to Sean that in eight years as president, Ronald Reagan raised taxes 11 times. And Sean Hannity said, no, he didn't. And I said, Sean, yes, he did. You can look it up in the congressional record. You can look it up in the Office of Management and Budget. He raised the gas tax. He raised the income tax. He raised this. He raised that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I said, Sean, he raised the gas tax and said, why would we wait to take care of our roads for 10 years from now when it's going to be three times more expensive? No, he didn't. So... People uh, uh, who support one side or the other sometimes are doing it based on things that are not even remotely true, because we've developed a culture in this country where people can say anything they want about facts, anything they want. And and, And that's a fairly recent development. In my first election for DA... Uh, there was a candidate who made an early uh, Democrat who made an early uh, push in the polls because he was a former chancellor of the bar and he attacked politicians. And he was going to be the outsider. And he was doing fairly well until 
he put an ad on characterizing my record as an as uh, as a district attorney, saying that I engaged in rampant plea bargaining. Well, he was dead wrong, and, and to tell the truth, I had stopped most of the plea bargaining that was going on by my predecessor. The Inquirer put out an editorial saying Peter Hearn lied, and he went from like 29% of the vote to 12% of the vote over, almost overnight, because people believed that the Philadelphia Inquirer wouldn't say something that wasn't correct. So I want to test, uh, before we let you go, the bounds of Ed Rendell's ability to believe or say anything. You ready for this one? Big year for upsets, right? The Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, Not favored in one playoff game. Connor Lamb, Trump wins by 20. Connor Lamb wins in his congressional district, or at least comes close to it. We'll see where things result. Will the Pennsylvania Quakers beat the Kansas Jayhawks? There's never been a 16 beating a 1. Your Penn Quakers, who's going to win? <laughs> of course, I see every, I've see. i seen every home game since I was a freshman in college. I've seen the Palestra. Well, I know it. I will tell you this. It's interesting. Penn is only a 13-point underdog, by far the shortest underdog of uh, uh, of all of the 16 seeds. And uh, Bill Self told the Lawrence newspaper that, don't kid yourself, Penn can beat us. If they shoot well, and they often do, they can beat us. Now, having said that, I think what happens in these games, I wouldn't be surprised if Penn stuck with Kansas even for a half or, or midway through the second half. But physically, we just get worn down. They're, they're so much bigger at every position that we just get worn down. Our, our big guy, A.J. Broder, who was the uh, MVP of the Ivy League tournament, he's terrific, but he's six seven. And if the Kansas big man is back, he's seven one. Hmm. Is AJ going to get the same shots underneath that he gets in the Ivy League against a seven foot one defender? Eh, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> probably not. So, as optimistic as I am, I didn't. I fill out three brackets, and I didn't have Penn winning any of the brackets. Wow! Would you take the any points? Of the games Would you take the Kansas. points if you were in Vegas? Would you take the thirteen points? So you think they'll, they'll yeah, keep I it might. that close? I might because I think Penn will hang with Kansas for a while. And then at the end of the game, Bill Self's a pretty good guy. He doesn't roll up the score and, <laughs> and might beat back into it. So I might take the points. But, but look, uh, I would be as happy as a pig in you-know-what if Penn beat Kansas and uh, all my brackets got busted. So uh, who do you have as the national champion in your three brackets? I have Virginia, Michigan State, and Villanova. Right. But my big pick, my big pick... I have two big picks, which will differ if they hits will differentiate us. One, I have Tennessee making the final eight, Ooh. and I also have Texas and another pool, Texas winning three rounds. Oh, I like a little a little bold action. I like that. All right, the team. Well, Texas, remember, Cinderella... Texas lost its star for nine games, mm-hmm. so its record would be materially different if Bamba hadn't gotten injured, because he's a hell of a player. All right, the, the, the team to watch in the first round, of course, is South Dakota State. Ed Rendell, <laughs> thank you for watching, for, uh, for joining us here on Powerhouse Politics. Go Jackrabbits. All right. All right, see take you care. Guys. You see Jackrabbits, not Jack Jackalopes, rabbits. okay, the Jack just for the record. Rabbits, the Jack yeah, I, I like that he's being intellectually honest enough to say uh, that, that he can't root for, for Penn. I guess after he talked well, about... root for Penn, but he can't well, no, pick sorry, them not, in, not his, to pick uh, in his bracket. I, I think after, after the, 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 the soliloquy about the not being able to choose your own facts in, in life yes. it is a realistic assessment. Uh, someone, someone, someday, the 16 is going to be to one. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen It's going to happen at some point, so we'll, we'll see. But, no, I think, I, I think he makes... 
a series of interesting points here, and and they're things that Democrats are going to have to wrestle with. I mean, this the, the resistance, the the this amazing surge of liberal energy we're seeing right now, is going to have to involve candidates who don't align with that resistance. Now, Conor Lamb was a special circumstance. He didn't have to navigate a primary. He got chosen by a party convention, uh, and he didn't have to run left. So it's unlikely that you're going to have many open seats or challengers that are going to be as far to the center or the right as Connor Lamb just because of the nature of Democratic primaries. But the, the road back to the majority for Democrats has to include, I think he's right about this, it has to include Connor Lambs. You have to do this. You're not going to just do it with liberals, and, and you're not going to be able to even do it with people who say, I want Nancy Pelosi to be House Speaker. Well, we shall see. Rick, I think we better get back and figure out what's happening if there's been any more uh, shakeups <laughs> over else, the White House. I mean, it's been fun to talk about Twitter congressional races minutes, here for a little yeah. bit, but uh, but we got to see well, you know who's who's next on the chopping block here. Anyway, that is all the time that we have here for Powerhouse Politics. Please take a moment and review the show on iTunes. And, of course, you can find us at Twitter, at John Carl or at Rick Klein. And I want to give a special shout out to our incredible production team here today. Rick, am I right that we have the best? I mean, I mean we've got Angie Yak, Dave Ryan, Avery Miller, and each of them have loads and loads of assistance and, uh, you know, helping on this show. I mean, and you lift out Trevor Hastings again? Uh, tre- tre- <laughs> Man, Trevor, no love for Trevor. <laughs> no, I mean, Trevor makes the show. I mean, come on. All right, thank you very much. We'll be back next week unless there's an emergency podcast before then. <laughs> 